Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Women of Golf Show. I'm Ted Rico, and right alongside, I'm very happy to welcome back my good friend and LPGA uh, professional, Legends Tour player, Cindy Miller, and we are the hosts of the Women of Golf Show, and we're very happy to be here with you this Tuesday morning. Good morning, Cindy, and welcome back. Good morning, darling. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing well. You've had a, a little bit of a vacation, actually not a vacation. We'll talk about that uh, in a moment, but uh, uh, glad to have you back. I've missed you the last couple of weeks, and you've been off doing some very interesting and exciting things, and we'll, we'll, then we'll talk about that a little bit later. But uh, uh, I want to welcome everybody to the show this Tuesday morning. A uh, couple of things uh, we want to talk about. First off, uh, let me remind everybody, though, that uh, we are live every Tuesday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Uh, Eastern Standard Time here on the blogtalkradio.com network. And, of course, the best way to find us is to go to blogtalkradio.com and just type in Women of Golf, uh, excuse me, up in the search key, and you'll be front and center there during the live broadcast. But for some reason, if you can't join us live, uh, just go to that link and scroll down to the on-demand section. And, of course, all of the shows uh, even though they are live on Tuesday mornings, are auto-recorded, so you can listen to them when it's convenient for you. Some other great ways that you can tune into the show, uh, go to iTunes.com, Stitcher.com, TuneIn.com, and now TalkStreamLive.com, and you can pick up the show there uh, whenever, again, it's convenient for you. But we want to thank those of you joining us live this morning uh, for taking the time out of your uh, busy morning. We've got a great show for you this morning. Uh, we've got the... Uh, most recent winner, of course, Alyssa Farrell, joining us here in just a second. Uh, she just won this past weekend, her first win on the Symmetra Tour, the fifth annual Garden City uh, Charity Classic that was held at uh, Buffalo, Buffalo Dunes Golf Course in Kansas. We're going to talk to her uh, in just a, a few moments. But, um, Cindy, I, I just wanted to very quickly mention before we bring Alyssa on, of course, as, as everybody knows, today is September 11th, and uh, 17 years ago today, uh, tragedy, uh, you know, struck here in the United States, um, in uh, New York City, and uh, many lives were lost. And I think it's just, you know, uh, you know, it, it's hard to sometimes even th- these many years later to find the words. But I found some inspiration this morning. I was looking through uh, the internet just for some different things uh, about it. And I saw some great pictures, which I've recently uh, put up on Facebook. And I know, Cindy, you, you saw the post um, of, of really um, some, some men, you know, arm in arm, firefighters, policemen, um, just looking on the memoriam today and, and, and previously. And, and just really not just reflecting, but remembering and, and sort of sharing uh, a common bond. And I think it's so important, uh, not only as Americans, uh, for those of you, and even us Canadians, uh, that remember quite uh, vividly what happened 17 years ago today, 
um, that we understand that there's a bigger picture here. It's not just to look back at what has happened, but how do we move forward all of these years later? Um, any thoughts that you want to share, Cindy, before we, uh, we bring on our guest? No, you've said about everything you can. So God bless the United States. Yes. Okay. Um, as I said, we've got uh, um, a very special guest this morning, uh, Elisa Farrell, and she is the winner of this past weekend's, uh, as I mentioned, the Garden City Charity Classic. Um, and we're going to bring her on now and uh, have a great discussion, talk a little bit about her win and, and a few other things as well. So, Cindy, let's uh, welcome our very special guest this morning. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> well, Congratulations, uh, Alyssa, and on your on your first win on the Symmetra Tour, um, and for uh, for joining us this morning here on the Women of Golf Show. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Now, uh, I'm I'm going to Cindy, if you don't mind, I'm just going to start it off real quick here, and just a couple things I want to mention. Uh, first off, uh, your rookie year, of course, was back in 2015, so you've been on the on the tour for a few years now. Uh, this, again, as I mentioned, was your first win. Uh, you're a Michigan State alumna, so you've been uh, uh, playing, obviously, before uh, out in the Symmetra Tour. And this win actually jumped you up several spots to number 21 uh, position in the Volvic race for the card, which, of course, uh, gets you towards earning um, your LPJ status, if you will, for, for next season. Uh, so, obviously, I know that's in the back of your mind, and you've uh, managed to uh, amass a, a little bit of uh, money along the way through the last 16 events. And uh, so obviously that helps cover some of your expenses and that. What are some of the things when you come into a tournament like this past weekend? And obviously uh, you didn't know whether you were going to win or not. And each week you get out there and battle against some of the best players uh, on the tour. What goes through your mind as you prepare for an event to, to get yourself mentally prepared um, to say, okay, this is going to be my week. What do you say to yourself? Uh, that's a great question. So, you know, this year on the Symmetra Tour has been kind of unique where we haven't had a repeat winner. Um, there's been a new winner at every event. So at any given week, I feel like anyone can win. And last week in Sioux Falls, I seemed to have really found my game and was starting to play well and um, was kind of in the same position. I was a couple back of the leader, and um, Sunday was a big learning experience for me of – how to handle the pressure and, you know, just to keep playing hole by hole and shot by shot. So um, this win was a special, was really special for me. My sister was on the bag who played golf for the university of Wisconsin. She graduated mm-hmm. last year. Um, fortunately due to a wrist injury and multiple surgeries, she is no longer able to play. So it was really nice to have mm-hmm. her on the bag and to be able to caddy for me I think that really brought me some inspiration this week because every time I tee it up, I think about her and try and play for her as well since she's not able to. And she has a great mindset. And so I think that really helped having her on the bag to be able to make sure we just, you know, stuck to our game plan, took it shot by shot and hole by hole. Well said. Wow, that's yeah, it's – yeah. Cindy, go ahead. So – Let's talk a little bit more about handling the pressure, having your sister on the bag, all the scenarios that played out on Sunday. Because we all know that we can't try to win 
we all know anyone who's competed at the at the highest levels knows that the most I believe the hardest thing is to stay focused on the task at hand and not go behind or think future shots or what might happen. So how did you accomplish that? Um, you know, it's something that I've been trying to work on and focus on for a long time. So I feel like that's been my downfall as I get ahead of myself and I start worrying about, you know, in four holes, what's this going to be? Um, so I actually work with Dennis Tiziani as my swing coach, who's Steve Stricker's father-in-law. And he's really helped me kind of think about how to play under pressure and take it hole by hole. You can't worry about what's going to happen in an hour. You have to worry about what's going to happen in the next five minutes. And as long as you can control that, you can keep moving forward. So I always just try and focus shot by shot as hard as it is to not get ahead of myself. Um, and that seems to be seems to be working for me right now. That's great. Ted? Mm. Um, I want to go back to uh, – uh, Alyssa, just a little bit about your sister, Brooke, uh, who, who carried the bag for you on Sunday. Um, first off, how is that to have, uh, you know, somebody so close to you like that with you along the journey, if you will? And what specifically, <clears throat> if anything, did she say to you um, while you were uh, sort of battling it out on Sunday that, that helped draw some strength for you? Yeah, well, actually, Brooke is still in a brace, so she pushed my club for three days with her left hand only, because um, it oh is her right hand. Yeah, so when she first told me she was going to try and do that, I thought she's kind of crazy. Um, her fiance was there, <laughs> and um, you know he's very much capable of carrying my golf bag as well. But she just really wanted to be a part of it. She's such a trooper. Um, you know, Brooke and I have very different golf games. Um, I'm probably, I play a little bit more safe and she's a little bit more aggressive. So I think that's a really good balance at certain times of uncertain holes. You know, should we be more aggressive here or should we play a little safer? So I think that really helps. Mm. You know, when we went into the final day, I was three shots back of the leader and everyone has been playing so well that I'm like, you know, Brooke, let's just go in today, play the best game we can, maybe get a top five. You know, that would be the best scenario too here one of the best scenarios and after I birdied 11 12 and 13 I kind of looked over at my sister and I was like well, I think we're pretty close and she said don't worry about it let's just keep playing golf so in hindsight mm. my sister knew that I had taken the lead at that point because her fiance was telling her but she didn't want to tell me just to kind of keep me going in my game plan don't get too caught up in it um right and just kind of, again, just stay in the routine and not panic about it because anything can happen. You know, someone can make a putt, yours lips out, you know, whatever. And that's golf. That's what happens. Um, and so you just have to be prepared for both outcomes. Again, well said. You know, Cindy, the, the, what's interesting listening to Alyssa, you know, talk about the differences between the two of them. Um, obviously, her sister... Brooke being a little bit more um, of a, an aggressive player um, than, than what Alyssa is, um, you know, it, it makes you wonder, you know, in a given situation, if 
Brooke would have handled that situation maybe differently than what Alyssa would. Um, you understand about that because you're a little bit more of an aggressive player as well. How do you, Cindy, and then Alyssa, I want you to answer this obviously as well, but in a situation like that, if you were on the bag with, let's say, uh, somebody like Alyssa, being a more aggressive player, how do you sort of tone your game down a little bit or your thought process down enough to not sort of overstep her game? What are your thoughts there, Cindy? And then Alyssa, I'd like you to answer that. I'm not sure I totally understand what you're saying. Tell me again. That's all right. Neither did I, so I'll have to repeat it because I don't even think I understood. <laughs> if, if, and that was, that's certainly not a first here on the Women of Golf Show, Alyssa, so uh, welcome to the club. <laughs> um, Cindy, no, what I'm asking is, you know, if you're an aggressive player or a more assertive player out on the golf course and you're on the bag for somebody that's a more conservative player – you're going to see situations that you may have handled it differently. You may take a more aggressive route as opposed to the player. How do you find balance uh, in, in that thought process enough to not say, well, you better, you know, you need to go for this, Alyssa, or you need to do this and not inject your play onto hers. Does that make sense? Or did I confuse uh, you more? <laughs> no, 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 no. It definitely made more sense. I believe that it's very important that you know. Um, that, so her, she and her sister have grown up together, so they realize and understand their differences. If you don't understand those differences and you're caddying for someone, let's say a father is caddying for his daughter and the daughter's pretty, you know, chill and wants to protect and play safe, and the father's real aggressive, the father could freak the child out. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yep. And Perfect. or like Alan O'Caddy for me and Alyssa, my husband and I are the only married couple in the world that have played on all four major tours. My hubby played in the Masters five times, so he's a good player, but he's, he's Mr. Chill, and he hits, you know, every fairway and 18 greens, and, you know, he's boring. So... But he's, <laughs> that's the definition of consistent, right? And that's why he's a life member past champion of the PGA Tour. I, on the other hand, are like, no, let's go for it, right? So we had to learn how to do this because there have been times that he's caddy for me on the Legends Tour where I'm like, I think I can get there. And he's like, I think you should lay up. Well, I just went from pursuing to protecting. And I think you need to be very careful of that. And and sometimes when I look back, I want to, you know, I wanted to kill him at the time, even though he was right. So what I think you need to do to better communicate is just talk it out and say, okay, so what do you think? So I think the caddy should ask the player, what are you thinking about? Mm-hmm. Is that the smart move? Are you comfortable with that? You know, is it a clear decision? Are you committed? You know, what do you think, Alyssa? Yeah, I agree with that. And, you know, you just said, you know, how the caddy should ask the player first. And that's exactly what my sister did. Uh, we get up to a shot and she goes, okay, well, you know, like, what number are you thinking? Because a lot of times I always don't hit enough clubs and I'm always short and she's always behind the pin. So that was a good conversation for both of us to have is, okay, what number do I have in my head? And we can make a compromise and it worked out really well. But, yeah, you have to know if when you're caddying, 
like what your players are comfortable with. Um, just little things as a line off the tee or um, a target into a green and that and those kinds of things. You know, some pins you have to know that they're green pins and other ones are more yellow or red pins and you kind of have to back off and, and just be smart and take your car. So, yeah, but I think it all depends on, you know, who your caddy is. And like you said, my sister and I grew up playing together, so we do understand that we're different. And um, so, you know, it's funny when I used to caddy for her, I was I was trying to always back her off a little bit, like, you know, let's not, let's not go right at that pin. Let's maybe play a little safe. So it was a lot of fun to kind of see both perspectives over the weekend. That's yeah, great. That's, Too bad uh, she can't well, go with you this yeah. week. What's that? I don't know. Too bad she can't keep stay on the bag. I know that would be that would be ideal if she could. I think she's going to try and come back on the bag in a couple weeks um, in Alabama when we're there for another fun weekend. So, but yeah, you know, unfortunately, her life has to go on without just being a snatcher to her caddy right now. So, can you tell us? Are you exempt? for all these qualifying schools? What's the story there? So um, as of right now, 11 through 30 on the money list at the end of the season um, are qualified for Q Series. I'm hoping to stay in the top 30 and go to Q Series. When I started this process, just even a month or so ago, I was 91 on the money list. Good for you. I've made a huge jump, and, you know, everyone wants to get to Q-Series. It's so hard to get there now. They've changed so many things, but I think we're going to get quality players out of Q-Series as well. I agree. I think it's probably a good thing. Yeah, I remember Zach's pan. I just lost him. I did, too. Huh. Good and anyway, I think not you, as good. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> You're back. You do that it, a lot. It's going to be tough. You just kind of disappear. We lost you for a minute. Do I? Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I'm back. Yeah. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> but anyways, yeah. So there's lots of things happening with the with the Q series, and and uh, you know, I, I, I'm sure uh, Alyssa that you will. Uh, endeavor to uh, stay in that top 30, as you said. You may even rise up the ranks again. You jumped, I think, uh, 48 spots with this win this past weekend. So maybe another win, uh, if not this week, maybe when your sister joins you back in a couple of weeks uh, in Alabama, maybe you'll get another win on the bag then too. So uh, And that'll propel you even further. Where, just very quickly, where in Alabama is the tournament being held? It's being held in Prattville. Oh, okay. Um, it wow, used to that's... be the host of an LPGA event. Yes, um, yeah, that's the um, uh, one of the Robert Walmart? Trent Jones. Uh, yeah, Robert Trent Jones courses. Yeah, it's yeah, it's the one out in. Yeah, I know where exactly where it is out in Prattville. Uh, I think the, it's uh, Marriott Resort uh, is there. Um, very good. I may have to make my way out there. That's actually not too far away from where I am in Florida. Um, so let me ask you, uh, Alyssa, very quickly on, on uh, just sort of a follow-up about something that you said 
a little bit earlier on in your discussion uh, was uh, sort of your level of confidence uh, hadn't been there throughout uh, the season. What specifically weren't you confident in in your game? Was there a specific area of your game that, that you have been struggling with that now you, you feel uh, uh, it's, it's tightened up a little bit? Uh, or was it more just the, the mental side of the game and not so much the physical? You know, a, lot, a big part of, of golf is the mental game. And if you mentally aren't there, then everything else kind of suffers. And I've really been struggling this whole year. And I've always, you know, it's always in the back of your mind of how long do I keep going at this dream? And, you know, when do I have to let it go? And back in August, uh, we were in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, which is super close to me. And I had really been making any cuts. My golf game has really was just suffering. Didn't feel like I was progressing. That's what I've always kind of said. As long as I keep progressing, then I'm going to keep going. And I thought about back in August giving it up and calling it quits and uh, figuring out what to do with the rest of my life. And I talked to some people close to me, um, including Dennis Tiziani, and uh, I talked to my old coach from MSU, Stacy, and they just kind of said, you know, you're not done yet. You just you're having you know, kind of a slow go of it and life on the road can get really tough being by yourself. And so Dennis always said to me, you know, don't quit because you're lonely, you'll be fine. So I just mm-hmm. kind of put my head down, um, decided to give it a go and see what could happen. And so ever since then, I just had a different mindset of, you know, everything's going to be fine. Everything's going to be, you know, everything will work out. And just when you think you're working hard enough, you're not. So you got to put in even more time. So just kind of been putting my head down and just kind of keep going, and it seems to be working right now. Perfect. Um, let me just ask one other thing, and then, Cindy, I'll, I'll throw it back to you. Uh, again, just sort of on what you were just talking about. And I'm sure, you know, you have a chance uh, being out there, you know, essentially every week playing uh, on the Symmetra Tour, have a chance to, to – um, you know, talk and and um, spend time with some of the other young ladies that are out there competing as well. Is that a common theme, what you just said, and how you felt out there on tour? You know, because many of them, some of them have family that travel from time to time, and some of them are maybe a little more fortunate, have family or friends traveling more frequently than others. But is that a kind of a common theme, do you think, with a lot of the players out there that, uh, you know, week in, week out, they, they do get a little bit lonely? Um, it's, it's a, you know, it can be a grueling uh, test of, of, of their golf and, and just their, their mindset. Is that pretty common out there that you hear with talking with some of the other young girls that uh, it gets pretty lonely out there and you can kind of get bummed out a little bit at times? Yeah, you know, even some of the of the young ladies that you think would be okay and, you know, you wouldn't think would even feel bad about being on the road by themselves sometimes. It just hits you at some point. You know, you're out here for four years and you're always away from your family. You're always missing things. So it does get tough. And that's part of the mental challenge that I think presents out here and what makes professional golf that much more difficult. You know, I am one of the more fortunate ones where even if my family is not with me all week, they fly in for the weekend and then they leave. So that has been really Mm -hmm. nice that I at least have a little bit of taste from home. Um, Right. 
but yeah, there's you know my my good friend Erica Popson out here, fantastic player, um, had her full LPGA card in 2014. She's kind of having a rough go of things right now, and so I know that her and I have had many conversations about the life out here and the struggles, and you know when golf isn't going well, it just like consumes you and overtakes you. Um, but yeah, you know, I think it does happen from time to time. And when you're playing better golf, it makes it a little more easier to be out here and away from family. But when all of a sudden golf's not going well, it feels like everything else is not going well. Right, right. We have a um, saying so the, at our, go. we have a saying at our house go. forever, and I'm not what I shoot. You know, and so sometimes it, you can get so down. And then you question whether the, uh, whether or not this is really what you should be doing. So good for you, number one, for having people close by that love you and care for you because everybody goes through this and, and for sticking to your guns and staying true to your dream. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you have to stop and say, you know, is all this worth it? And, and it truly is because look at the lessons that you learn, number one, by being tenacious, being resilient, you know, sticking to your guns, mm-hmm. coming back, you know, believing in yourself, all the things that are so important to be able to live a successful life. You know what I mean? And and the funny thing is, is I was at a Legends Tour event this past week, and we were at BJ's Charity Classic in Boston, and, you know, Michelle McGann, Susie Whaley, Jane Blaylock, Donica Pony Young, I mean, Hall of Famers. And there's just a mutual society of those who have gone through the war and survived that we all respect each other, no matter whether you're a superstar or not, because no one gets there without working at it. So it's worth it. Yeah, really well put. I like that saying of you are not what you shoot, because I think that'll help me next time things don't go well because yeah you do start questioning kind of what am I doing and is it all worth it because it does feel like you know a real struggle and a battle at times so that's really well put thank you for that advice you're welcome yeah and uh, that was actually free of charge and he uh, gives those uh, little <laughs> quotes all the time and uh, <laughs> you yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I concur uh, with Alyssa. That was well said, Cindy. Um, and, and Cindy, you, you and I have talked about this. You've talked about some of your struggles, uh, um, you know, when you were uh, out playing and, and still sometimes when you're out there playing on the Legends Tour. Uh, but when you were on the LPGA earlier on, uh, you know, you had some of your own battles uh, and, and not so much, you know, with, with being lonely and that, because obviously you had Alan uh, there and that. But um, but it can be difficult. And I think the other thing, too, um, and Alyssa, I'm sure you felt this, is uh, even though what Cindy said is true, that there are uh, everybody goes through their own struggles, sometimes it can be a little bit daunting because you see players out there that things look like they're you know, coming and happening uh, so easily for them. And you're thinking, why is this not, you know, I'm working just as hard, I'm doing this, and, and so-and-so over here, it just seems like they're skating through uh, you know, week in, week out, and, and, and then always in the top, you know, five or ten or something like that. And, and I'm here, you know, in the trenches, and sometimes it just seems 
not so much unfair, but just, gosh, what, what am I doing differently? And maybe I don't have the game. So doubt starts to creep in, as, as uh, Cindy mentioned, and as you mentioned as well. So um, stick with it. Congratulations on the win. I have no doubt that uh, uh, you're a champion both on the outside and the inside and uh, that some great things are going to be happening, uh, but just stick with it. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me this morning. Not a problem. We know you got to go. Yep. Congratulations again, and good luck this week in the event. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. All right. That was uh, Alyssa Farrell, uh, winner of this past weekend's Garden City Charity Classic uh, in Garden City, Kansas, and she's off to Arkansas uh, to play in this week's uh, event. And um, she's... uh, quite an interesting player um you know cindy uh, i'm sure there's some some things that she has said that have resonated in your mind um when you're out there playing uh some of the same thoughts i'm sure have creeped into your uh head a time or two and and uh, i think that was some great advice that you gave her well it's the truth (laughs) (laughs) that's right all right so tell us let's do it before we get on yeah yeah, before we get on to our discussion, let's catch up a little bit. Uh, Cindy, as I mentioned at the opening of the show, of course, you've been off for, for a couple of weeks. So you said uh, you were at an event last week. So tell us a little bit about that, what uh, what happened, and, uh, and uh, catch us up a little bit. Well, we were very lucky. We got to go to the BJ's Charity Classic. And typically there's 78 pros from the Legends Tour that are invited to come participate. And we raise money for the BJ's Charitable Foundation. And um, this year, well, this year and last year, what they do is they sell a sponsorship to companies for those who don't know how to play golf. And Alan Mm -hmm. and I and four other golf pros got to teach a lot of these corporate people how to play golf. So that was really fun. Um, So I did not play in the Pro-Am. Uh, Alan and I taught the corporate clinic, which was very good. We each had four students. We had a lot of fun, and we were grateful for the opportunity. Very good. Now, the week before that, um, you were doing something as well, as I recall, and I forget now what it was. What, what were you doing the week before? That was the LPGA National Championship. And Tell us about I, that. Well, I don't do heat very well. And it was <laughs> it was like 95 degrees at Pinehurst. So the first day I was really Oof. sick, really sick, really sick. I thought I was going to mm. have to withdraw. Uh, the second day, I a friend of mine gave me some pills, some salt pills. And I think that's uh, the only thing that saved me, to be honest with you. Yes. Um, and then I went and got <laughs> Pedialyte. Uh, and I drank a whole bottle of Pedialyte, which was disgusting, but I wanted to live. And <clears throat> so I made the cut by two shots, and then I worked on my swing between – I made the cut, and then I went and practiced, and I got um, – I'm again, as you know, we always talk about it. I'm trying to delete my left of left shots, and I think mm-hmm. I'm getting closer. So I miss making money by one, but I broke 80 a couple times. Uh, which was a good thing, and I'm mm-hmm. not dead yet, so I'm very excited. Yep. I am now 
an alternate to get into the French Lick event, but I am going to drive out there to try to qualify. And then in two weeks, I'm going to have to take another day off, or I'm going to have to talk while we're at the uh, summit. We've got a regional summit for the LPGA in Savannah, and there's a pro-am and a pro-pro, and Malia Falquet and I are going to kick butt at the Savannah Swing. So lots of stuff is going on, Ted. Very good. Uh, Well, I'm glad that you didn't melt at Pinehurst and that you managed to survive, and I know that's – I know that's a difficult thing to do sometimes when you're out in this heat. People don't realize, especially when you get down here into uh, some of the southern states, uh, it can get pretty pretty darn hot, let me tell you from personal experience. So um, I'm glad that uh, somebody was able to reach out and, and give you a, a hand, if you will, and, and feeling a little bit better. Um, and just very quickly, next week, uh, which I believe is, is, I believe, the 18th, uh, of September oh, we uh, will be next, next week. Yes, we actually have two great guests next week, uh, Debbie Whitkus and Marilyn Smith, of course, one of the legends of the LPGA, uh, one of the f- original founders. So they're going to be coming on talking about uh, obviously golf, but uh, Marilyn's uh, upcoming tournament uh, in October uh, charity event. So we're going to be talking about that. So very, very excited about having the two of them on. So you can't have next week off, but if you need the week after or a couple of weeks down the road, that's fine. But next week you need to be here because I think it's going to be a great show. Um, yeah, no, I'm going to be there. So, perfect. Um, all right, so I've actually talked about what we're going to talk about right now, and, and we're just going to sort of do some br- uh, broad strokes, if you will, across it. I, I've actually had this discussion uh, for the last couple of weeks on uh, my other program, Golf Talk Live, on the Coach's Corner. And there's some things in here that I wanted to specifically talk with you about. Uh, and I'm talking about just so everybody to, gets on the same page here. Um, recently, I came across the National Golf Foundation. Uh, they issue an annual uh, golf industry report. And, of course, this is the report for 2018. And it's based on information that they've compiled um, from the golf industry from 2017. So this is actually stats and information from last year. Um, but it's very, very interesting. And, and this is one that we talked about uh, here recently on uh, not this show, but on my other show with the, with the panel. And I wanted to get your thoughts on this as well. Um, and, and I'm going to read this out very quickly, and then I'm going to get you to respond uh, to, to what you think about it. Um, you know, it talks about the, the sort of it starts off with a question here is how many golfers can break 100? Uh, and in the game of golf, of course, around 5% of players are able to uh, break below 80 consistently, uh, around another 20% break between 80 and 90, while 25% can break 100 consistently. So this leaves, based on those stats, 50% of, of active golfers out there that do not have the ability to break 100 consistently, and that's, again, as of 2017. What are your thoughts on – and, again, I want you to – let me preface this a little bit first, Cindy – that these are stats that they've compiled. I haven't verified all this, but they seem to be pretty accurate. What do you think about the stats in itself? Um, and what do you think, if anything, as an industry that we need to, to change to, to maybe get those numbers uh, you know, a little bit better than what they are? What are your thoughts, first off, on the report, that part of the report, and what do you think that as an industry, is there anything that we can do differently than we're already doing. 
as an industry? I don't think yes. so. I think I think top golf. It, it, so here's mm-hmm. the catch: we need people to play golf. And yes. Um, play golf. We need people to enjoy playing the game of golf, and then they need to choose whether or not they want to get better at golf. So I believe time is of the essence for most people, you know, anybody that works and has children, you know, they don't have the freedom to make choices to, to go play golf whenever they want to. They have other responsibilities. Um, I believe that anybody can break a hundred if they put their mind to it. The catch is, can they, do they have the time and the resources to put their mind to it, to be able to break a hundred. So breaking a hundred, you have to work at the game and that's, and that's what we were just talking about with Alyssa. You know, no right. one is exempt from practicing and getting better. I mean, some people have more talent than others. And and like you were mm-hmm. saying, you know, it appears that, oh, well, life is easy for them. Trust me, it yeah. will bite them. No. I mean, look at Tiger. <laughs> we thought, oh, this guy's got it sure. in the shade. Well, he's only been practicing since he was two, you know, and his father, right. you know, made him do it. So. It's not always, the grass is not always greener on the other side. So as an industry, we need to make the game fun. We need to make it play faster. We need to bring people in. How, how good they get at it is up to them. And we can't control that, I don't believe. I think we could teach them better and make it easier, but mm-hmm. how are you going to change all the teachers? You're not. And I believe that, you know, it's way too left brain, way too left brain. Yeah. Given that, uh, I'm grateful that a lot of people teach left brain because that gives me more business. Right. <laughs> right. Well said. Um, you know, it's interesting you mentioned uh, Top Golf, and I want to read out to the next little bit from this report because it, it does reference them there, and it's very interesting. And again, uh, I certainly haven't verified the, the numbers uh, or statistics that are being reported here, but uh, I, I would tend to agree that they're probably fairly accurate. Um, but this talks a little bit more about the golf's participation base, uh, that it remains pretty stable with an estimated 23.8 million people who played golf uh, on a golf course in 2017 uh, as the same uh, previous year, which, of course, 2016. Uh, then they're also indicating here another 8.3 million played exclusively off course at facilities like Top Golf. Uh, driving ranges or indoor simulators, putting the game's overall participation pool at more than 32 million. Now, I do have a little bit of um, uh, uh, difficulty with that 32 million because I'm sure out of that 8.3 million, uh, some of those people are playing on course as well. So uh, that number, I'm not too too uh, confident in, but it, it does raise a question that here you've got roughly eight and a half million people, Cindy, who are playing uh, or attending somewhere like golf, uh, top golf or a driving range or whatever. Um, and again, I'm sure that there's a good number of those people that do then transition to a golf course, but you hit it right on the head is that we can't make somebody a better player if they're not coming out and actually playing on the golf course. So, how do we take that number, that eight or nine million people that are going to an off-course facility to get them out there and actually playing the game and committed to playing uh, not just the game itself, but learning to 
hone their skills a little bit better? What do we need to do to, to take that, uh, or, or is there anything we can do? I don't know. I, I think, again, um, I believe that short courses are an avenue we could take. And, and I believe that, like, the LPGA uh, International Golf Course has the Practice Academy, which is one, mm-hmm. two, three, four, five. Wait a minute. One, two, three holes. And Harvest Hill Golf Course in, in Western New York and um, Orchard Park has three holes. And and those three holes are great for beginners to go on. So we do playing lessons yep. on those three holes because we're not holding people up. They're right. real holes, you know. They have nice mm-hmm. greens. They they don't. The one up here doesn't have any bunkers, but the one in Florida does. Those three holes are are so important. And so we tend to go to places like that to do our playing lessons so that people can learn to be comfortable. And once they realize it's only 15 bucks to go play, I can do that in an hour and then leave. And, and so it's the next step from top golf first for fun and then driving range for a few lessons and then the three holes and then maybe nine holes and then maybe 18 holes. So I think there's a progression that would be important to let people know that they can do that. But you have mm-hmm. to have the three holes. Yeah. And, and, and I, I agree with that. I, I think that one of the things I remember growing up, you know, obviously I, I had some exposure, um, you know, to country clubs and things like that. I wasn't, uh, you know, I wasn't uh, obviously a member. My father wasn't until a little bit later on. Um, but you know, he didn't take me to the club to teach me how to play golf. We went to a local par three course, uh, which is also sometimes called an executive course. That's where he taught me. Uh, you know, he taught me some of the fundamentals and that on, of course, at the driving range to, to learn how to hit the ball first. Um, but you know, he didn't take me to the nice swanky golf clubs, uh, or the resort courses, you know, at that time. Uh, to learn how to play the game. He took me somewhere that he knew that I would be comfortable and realistic for my game at that time. I started very young. I was probably, I mean, I hit on the driving range when I was probably Tiger Woods age, but by the time I actually got out in the golf course, it was more like about age seven. So, you know, I still was developing coordination at that time. So, you know, he took me somewhere that was realistic for my game. And I think that one of the problems that I see with a lot of golfers out there, especially new golfers, is they'll go to a course, the course, especially the guys, the, the, the gals, I think a little bit are more level headed, but the guys think, okay, well, I'm going to go out here and I'm going to play from the championship tees because, you know, I just paid $65 for the round and I want to get my money's worth and they can't hit the ball worth beans. So then they get out there, they get frustrated. It's not a fun time. It's not enjoyable um, because they're, they're not a, a really good player yet. And they're playing a very difficult, challenging course. So I agree with you. I think that some of these facilities out there, I, I, I wish we had more of them uh, out there for some of these newer golfers and younger golfers to get out there and, and learn a little bit as they go along and then advance and play some of the more uh, traditional and, and uh, you know, better courses, if you will, 
uh, as they become more confident and comfortable out there. Do you agree with that? I do agree with that. And I, and I also agree with us kids golf um, and their, what they do is they allow these children to play from tees where they can shoot even par. So they move the tees up and we've had John Bryan on from us kids golf. I believe that the tees need to be moved up so that you can shoot even par. And, And again, that makes it a lot more fun. Rather than, you know, if I can get on the green and par, so that's what I tell most of my students. If you can get on the green and par two putt, you just shot 108, and that's really good for somebody who doesn't know what they're doing. Right, exactly. Um, I actually had somebody on the panelist uh, mention this last uh, Thursday um, with that very uh, issue, not just uh, about moving the tees up, but also about par itself. You know, when we think of par, of course, we think for, for most of the golf courses out there, par 72. Well, that's a pro's par. And I think people need to go out with a mindset, instead of thinking of 72 as their par, maybe thinking 90, you know, think bogey golf and think as 90 as their par. If so many people are having a difficult time breaking 100, why are you focusing on 72 as your par? Why not change your mindset a little bit and say, until my game gets better, 90 is going to be my par. That's what I'm going to be shooting for. It's a more realistic number to shoot for than trying to think, okay, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm averaging 105 strokes out there. Uh, you know, why am I going to be focusing on uh, you know, this par four? I'm going to look at it as a par five. Or this par three, I'm going to think of it as a par four. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Um, maybe changing that mindset for some of our golfers out there, uh, especially those that don't play very much. Um, is and, and I'm not talking the industry to change par 72. I'm talking about the golfers when they go to the golf course to change that par for them. Well, that's what they absolutely have to do. I mean, because they can't shoot par. So if, if, right, you know, with with the numbers you just read to us. So I'm going to use that. So 50% of the people that play golf can't break 100. So That's right. If you don't invest the time, money, and energy to get better, shooting 108 is really pretty good. Right. You know, if you break 100, you're better than 50% of the golfers in the world. Or is that the mm-hmm. U.S.? Uh, that's the U.S., but I'm sure it probably translates uh, globally. This, this report, of course... The stats, they're, they're mainly referring to the United States um, here. But, uh, but, yeah, I'm sure that th- that's probably similarly accurate uh, outside of the United States as well. Uh, it may be higher, maybe a little bit lower, but I would say it's probably pretty accurate. But, no, you're, you're exactly right. Um, I, I look at it this way. Um, you know, if, if I'm somebody that's struggling to break 100 with any sort of regularity or at all, um, and I, and I say this in the politest way, I have no business thinking about 72 as my par, especially if I'm not willing well, to put in, as you said. Suge- well, yeah, <laughs> well, I- exactly. So, you know, so why am I playing the back tees? Number one, uh, you know, one of the, the greatest players that walk this earth on the male side, Jack Nicholas, has been a big proponent of of players golfers and he has done it himself obviously uh not in tournament but in in personal life 
you know, he's even moved up um, because he knows that he does not have the game he once did, but he wants to get enjoyment. So if you're frustrating yourself playing from the back tees week in, week out, why not move up a set or two or even three, depending on your ability, and make it a more fun and enjoyable game. And as you improve and as your skills develop, if you want to move back a set of tees uh, because it's no longer challenging for you, that's fine. But don't start at you know, going out to a course that's you know, uh, 7,200 yards and playing the full Monty, if you will, if you can't hit the ball worth beans. It just doesn't make any sense. And, uh, Cindy, I know you've worked with players uh, that, that just sometimes, you know, you have to shake your head and say, why are you doing this? Because it's not helping you. It's actually hurting you because it's creating a mindset of, I can't do this. What do you think? Right. I, I totally agree. Right? Yeah. Can you hear I want to move on yeah, to uh, – yeah, oh, yeah, I can hear you. I can hear you fine. Um, I, I want to move on very quickly because uh, I know we're, we're getting close to our time. Uh, just another segment, uh, I'm going to put the two of them together, but uh, newcomers to golf are increasingly diverse. Uh, and this is very interesting stats as well. 35% are female, which I think you and I w- would agree with. Um, another 26% are non-Caucasian, which means we're getting a much more diverse uh, playing field. And 70%, this is a very interesting one, uh, and this is newcomers to golf, 70% are under the age of 35. Um, and I just want to add one more in there. Say that again. 70% are under the age of 35. Now, this is newcomers to golf. Wow. Of the, new, yeah, of the newcomers, 70% are under the age of 35. Now, I want to throw one other stat in here, and then we'll, we'll wrap uh, up our discussion with, with this. Uh, the number of golfers age 65 and over actually increased 13% to 3.6 million in 2017. This number will continue to increase as the balance of baby boomers cross that milestone. So not only do we have uh, somewhat of a boom of younger golfers uh, coming in, newcomers, but even our older golfers, that number or those numbers are increasing as well because our our baby boomers are are hitting that that retirement age and and they want to get out there uh, and, and enjoy some of their retirement uh, out in the golf course. So there's two areas that really the industry needs to focus on. Um, but the first one uh, that really stuck out to me is of newcomers, 35%, that's over a third, are female. That's a very exciting number in my, uh, my uh, way of thinking. What about you? It's awesome. I'm so glad yeah. you did this. <laughs> well, I think it's important... <laughs> I think it's a, thank you. Um, every once in a while, I do come up with a good one. Um, you know, I, I think it's important as an industry that we understand reports like this. And again, uh, as I said a, a few times now, uh, I, I don't know, and I'm not guaranteeing that it's 100% accurate, but I think it's pretty close. But this tells me where as an industry we need to be focusing our efforts and where maybe we're falling short. The other number that jumps out as well, uh, or one of the other numbers, is the fact that 26% are non-Caucasian, which means others out there of different diversities and different backgrounds are taking an interest in this game. And obviously we have to thank people like, of course, Tiger Woods. Um, What was interesting very quickly, Cindy, was some of the last 
uh, young ladies that, that uh, I've had the pleasure of interviewing uh, on my own here while you were away, um, but actually credited Tiger Woods for drawing them to the golf game, uh, some of the winners off the Symmetra Tour. So, you know, he has had a big impact, and both of them uh, were non-Caucasian. So, uh, you know, he has obviously had a global reach, uh, not just for young men, but obviously young women as well, saying, hey, this is something maybe I'd like to do. So that's an exciting number as well. And I'm also excited about uh, the baby boomers out there that are, uh, you know, those numbers are increasing and they want to go out. Now, some of them maybe have been playing for a little while and, and their games, uh, you know, have, have sort of fallen into a rhythm. Uh, but that doesn't mean that they don't, uh, couldn't use some help and, and work as well. So that's an important stat, I think, as well for the industry to take note. Uh, what do you think of some of uh, what I just said? What do you think of the fact that we are getting a much more diverse pool and also uh, some of our, our aging uh, population is is coming back to the game or continuing on with the game well I think you know it's funny when I was little I thought when I got old I wouldn't mind being old <laughs> 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 and that wasn't true <laughs> so right. I believe that the game is great for everyone from you know in a, no matter what your age is you can learn to play and get right. better and have fun and blah, 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 blah. So, and, and it's funny because I thought to myself, you know, who are our customers? And I got to tell you, it's, it's juniors and it's seniors. Mm-hmm. It's not, yep. it's not a lot of middles because the middles are no. busy working and uh, creating lives and having children and, and, you know, have growing families and all that stuff. So it's juniors and seniors, which, you know, what you just said is validating what we've experienced here. So uh, this is very interesting. I'm glad you talked about this. Good job today. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's just, you know, it, it's, it's, I think it's, it's good information to, for not only for us to understand and, and to be made aware of, but I think it's also important um, for those of us in the profession to have discussions about this as well and, you know, bounce ideas off one another on, on how, you know, we can, uh, and I don't like to use the word capitalize, but to really move forward in a, in a positive direction. One of the things that, and, and again, I want to say this um, respectfully, not everybody, Cindy, is, is going to rise to the caliber of a player such as yourself or, uh, you know, young Alyssa that, that joined us earlier um, but they want to get out and, and join that. And, and I think junior golf is important, but it cannot be just solely focused on as a feeder uh, for tour life uh, or tour events. It has to be uh, something else, another component. So I, liked, I want to see more um, you know, golf programs that just play golf <clears throat> and not about necessarily having to always be uh, hardcore competitive golf because I think sometimes uh, you know that be, can be a turnoff even for parents not just the, the kids but for parents to say well you know what my, my kid doesn't want to play or my kid isn't going to play uh, you know in competitive golf and that they just want to go out and have fun and they see some some of what's available out there and it kind of shies them away because they know that their child maybe is not has the interest or uh, the abilities to to play at that level, so they don't think it's for them, and they kind of shy away from that. So it, it has to be more diverse, 
uh, I think, in the industry. But I think we need to have these stats and these figures made available, and there needs to be discussions amongst ourselves and our peers uh, to really be able to to uh, use that information properly and, and learn from it. We have to learn as well. It's not just the people that we teach. We have to learn as we go along because uh, it's an ever-changing world. Um, final thoughts, Cindy? Absolutely the truth. I, I totally agree. And I think that um, just learning to play and being mediocre or average is okay. Again, you know, our, our daughter, Kelly Miller, has only broken 90 once. And she's Jimmy Roberts' producer for the Olympics, and she's going to be flying to Paris for the Ryder Cup for the Golf Channel because she produces uh, Morning Drive and Live From. So you don't have to be good at this to be involved and even work in the business or not work in the business, but be able to play business golf. So, yeah, there's many ways to learn to um, enjoy, and you don't always have to try to master the game of golf. No, that's, that's for sure. And, and you know what? Even the best players will tell you that you will never master the game. You might improve. You might become very proficient, but you will never master it. They're always learning, always. It's, it's, it's like evolution itself. There's always uh, an evolving point to this game, and you certainly can reach high, uh, high levels of the, of the game, as many have, um, but – it's just a great opportunity to get out there, have some fun. Fun is the key word, I think, Cindy. Um, but just the the camaraderie that can develop and the business connections that can develop. Uh, and just sometimes you have to get out there, and when you shank one or you hit a, a big old slice, sometimes you just have to laugh at yourself and say, you know what, on to the next shot. Forget about that one. Let's move on and not take it so seriously. Just go out and have some fun. Cindy Miller. Good to have you back. I, uh, I missed you, my, my good friend and my, uh, my partner here on the show. And uh, we've got an exciting show next week with uh, Debbie Wakus and, uh, of course, Marilyn Smith, uh, Legends of the Game. So we'll welcome them next week uh, with a great discussion. Uh, but on behalf of Cindy Miller and I, we want to thank you for tuning in this morning uh, to the Women of Golf Show. We always appreciate your uh, uh, listenership, and we will continue to do our best to bring you some great Uh, and interesting guests to the show. So uh, on that note, thank you. Have a great week. And remember those who have uh, not only fallen, but those that survived as well on this very important day in American history, September 11. Thank you, everybody. God bless. And we'll see you next week. Thanks, Cindy. Thanks, Ted. Bye-bye.